we will blend a domain expert, so someone who's actually worked at a lab at FDA and, and knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of a lab technician with someone who knows how to implement laboratory information management systems. And so you have someone who understands the system side and you know the domain side to implement a solution that's not only you know t- technically savvy, but also practical to the actual end user. And that's the difference in a lot of cases where, where we're not just coming in and, and implementing a tool off the shelf and, and not really understanding how it's going to be used by our customers and within their given domain areas. So that's the first differentiator. And the second really is our culture. We have a truly innovative, entrepreneurial, incredibly customer-focused culture. And the work we do supporting our customers' missions are, is very purpose-driven. It's all focused on improving, protecting, and saving lives. And our employees, it, it really helps us attract and retain the best people. Hi there, this is David Knorr. Welcome to the third season of the Curvebenders podcast. I'm so excited after years of research and interviews and due diligence on this topic to finally be able to publish Curvebenders this year. It'll be my 11th book as a follow-on to Relationship Economics and Co-Create. Curvebenders, in essence, are your strategic relationships that enable your non-linear growth in the future. Our research points to 15 forces that we believe will dramatically impact the future of how you'll work, how you'll live, how you'll play, and how you'll give. The global pandemic is just one example. So how will you remain relevant if more disruption will come at us more often with potentially far greater impact? In each episode, I want to share with you insights, great ideas from guests I've invited to join us, as well as practical ideas in the evolution of your skills, your knowledge, your behaviors, and most importantly, what I believe is your biggest asset, which is your portfolio of relationships. I call those relationships your curve benders. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Noor here. I want to let you know that we've launched a brand new website, including a brand new blog, a resource section with links to all the previous podcast episodes, Inc. and Forbes articles, and a new intimate community called the Noor Forum. It's a place where like-minded professionals are gathering to learn, share, and grow through insights about strategic relationships, visual storytelling, and nonlinear growth. This is also where you'll find the show notes, articles, references to position papers by my podcast guests. For example, I hosted David Burkus on a live stream, and we've put a link to that video there. So join us at norgroup.com slash forum. That's N-O-U-R group, norgroup.com slash forum. Welcome back to another episode of the Curvebenders podcast. My guest today is a recent, but very quickly has become a good friend, great client, and just someone I admire for how he's adapted, how he's stepped into this great role. Damon Griggs, the CEO of Dovell Technologies. Damon, welcome. Thanks, Noor. It's great to be here. So it's great to have you. For those that may not know as much about you, can you do a brief introduction of your professional background? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Damon Griggs. I'm the CEO of Dovell Technologies. Been with Dovell for four years now. Originally started as the COO and became president in 2018 and recently took over as CEO in 2019. And just I'll 
tell you more about Dovell in a minute, but uh, I've been in the in the government contracting industry for over 20 years now, live in Northern Virginia and married with two kids. How would you describe Dovell to someone not in GovTech or health tech or life sciences space? So we're a, a trusted partner to the government agencies and we help them solve complex problems that, that focus on missions that improve, protect, and save lives. So we're a mid-sized company. We have over 2,200 personnel. We're spread across the country, and, and we really focus on serving primarily the public health and federal civilian markets. Can you give us a couple examples? Yeah. So, uh, so some of the one of our biggest customers is parts of the Health and Human Services Agency, so um, HHS. We do work at NIH uh, around vaccine research and clinical trials and do work at FDA and other parts of, of the public health. And, uh, and, and it's a lot of technology-enabled systems support. It's, we, we really pride ourselves in blending. It's a combination of deep domain expertise in certain domain areas of health IT, life sciences, public safety, and grants management. And we combine and we blend advanced technologies around advanced data analytics AI, enterprise digital modernization, and cloud technologies. And it's really that that intersection of those domain and technology expertise areas that is gives us sort of that secret sauce with our customers. I want to build that on that secret sauce conversation. So there are literally hundreds of other government contractors in that DC, Northern Virginia area. What do you think are some of the key attributes that you believe will sustain Dovell's differentiation? Yeah, so it's definitely that first one I mentioned where it's it's that a unique ability to blend deep domain expertise and, and advanced technologies with a lot of that innovation that we have within our DNA. So if you think about it, it's, we will blend a domain expert, so someone who's actually worked at a lab at FDA and, and knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of a lab technician with someone who knows how to implement laboratory information management systems. And, and so you can actually so you have someone who understands the system side and you know the domain side to implement a solution that's not only you know t- technically savvy but also practical to the actual end user and that's the difference in a lot of cases where where we're not just coming in and and implementing a tool off the shelf and and not really understanding how it's going to be used by our customers and within their given domain areas so that's the first differentiator. And the second really is our culture. We have a truly innovative, entrepreneurial, incredibly customer-focused culture. And the work we do supporting our customers' missions is very purpose-driven. It's all focused on improving, protecting, and saving lives. And our employees, it, it really helps us attract and retain the best people. I love, and I got to tell you and our audience, I've experienced that entrepreneurial culture kind of firsthand. What do you believe it comes from? Is it from the founders? Is it from your you know, Paul, your predecessor, the former CEO, and where does it come from? And and what are you doing to continue to sustain that kind of customer centricity? Well, it definitely started with the founders and uh, it's Dove and Elma Levy. So that's the the Dove and the L and Dovell. And they really set the right tone from the very beginning when back when we were a a women-owned small business and it started, the company started back in 2005. And it's been continued to to be built upon. And when, when Paul Leslie joined in 2011 as the CEO, he, uh, he really took it to the next level and helped Dovell grow into the, the mid-sized company that it is today, you know, from 50 employees to over 2,200. And as we grew, we uh, always remained true to some of those core values and that and 
made sure that, and I always tell people today, we're, we're really the best of both worlds in terms of company. We still look and feel like a small company where it matters in terms of that culture and and the agility and very flat organizational structure, incredibly customer focused. But but we also now have the benefits of a much larger company in terms of you know, contract vehicles, capabilities, the, the opportunity to make you know, multiple investments and the scale that comes with a much larger company. So as we've grown, we've stayed true to those to those entrepreneurial innovative roots, but taken advantage of the scale and other benefits of a larger company. Talk about what trends you have seen amid this pandemic and more importantly, what you know biggest market trends you believe will impact Dovell's continued growth? The biggest from a pandemic perspective, I mean we're we're in we're in the right markets. Our biggest, as I said earlier, our the majority of our revenue comes from federal health, public health customers. So we only see that demand increasing in terms of and, and we see funding for the public health agencies only it's historically been a had strong bipartisan support, and it's going to be even more so we see in the future, given the needs that have arisen out of the pandemic and the desire to always be prepared for the next one and, and learn from everything that's happened over the last year. And we also see from a market perspective, a digital how important digital transformation is. And so many of our government customers have moved to telework, and they really have to accelerate their technology implementation timelines tremendously over the last year to allow their tools to be used in a more distributed manner. And so we see a lot of that increased emphasis on that digital transformation. And so we see that is definitely some of the biggest market impacts for us as a business. But it's all, from, from my perspective, it's, there's certainly a lot of opportunity. Are there any risks or there's some risk you're, you're more concerned about? Not necessarily related to the pandemic. There's always, you know, just general risks related. But from a business risk, I would say some of some of the biggest risks to us now that we are a large business is is the increased emphasis to on small business set aside work and other things that will that are more prominent probably under the new administration. And you know, we are still we're not a huge company. We're not the one of these multi-billion dollar systems integrators. And so the scale that they have is, is pretty huge where there's sort of a no man's land when you graduate from small business that a lot of companies go into. We have been able to successfully emerge out of that after we graduated from small business many years ago. But it is still very hard to compete as a smaller, you know, as an emerging large company that's graduated from the small business category. And we see a lot of opportunities that might be a great fit for us where we will not be able to go after that because we don't have that small business status. One of the things that's really impressive as I got to know you and your team is you guys have an amazing repeat success rate. So once a you know contract expires, you know when it comes up to for rebid, you guys are very successful in winning that trust, winning that confidence back. What do you attribute that to? I think that a lot of that goes back to the differentiators I talked about before, really understanding our customers' needs, believing in their mission, and providing solutions that aren't just out of the box, that really meet their unique needs. And, and it's that combination of that domain knowledge so we can really walk in our customers' shoes and speak their language and then take the, the advanced technologies and capabilities that, that we have and bring them and customize them to, to truly meet our customers' needs. And then and it's also the culture that I talked about where it's just incredibly customer focused and responsive. And, and, you know, many of our customers remark that, you know, compared to some of the, the larger companies out there, they always 
feel like they are the most important customer when they work with us. And, and that's, that's how we want every one of our customers to feel, no matter how big or small they are, is that they are always the most important and they can call me up anytime. Most of them have my cell phone number. And if I hear from them, usually it's because there's an issue and I'll jump on it right away and address it very quickly. And I think that that's rare these days to to have that type of responsiveness. So that certainly is, has helped as we've continued to, to keep our customers happy and retain them as we go into recompete cycles. That customer centricity in you, do you think that was nature? Were you born this way? Or is that something that you've learned and you've developed over the years? Because there's some executives that candidly don't want to get involved with customer issues. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm not, I haven't ever thought about nature versus nurture in that one. I think it's in my nature, but it's also if you're in this industry and, and you want to be in it and be successful long term, you have to have that customer centricity and you, and you have to promote that across your team. Uh, you, you can't, you have to have that mindset where a services company and people is what we provide and we're not able to establish strong relationships and, and, and meet or exceed our customers' needs, then then that's an issue. And, and it starts with me at the top and, and I have to set that tone. And I believe that, you know, we attract like-minded people in the company who also value supporting their customers and truly believe in their customers' mission. So it's it's a pretty easy, it's not like there's a lot of convincing that needs to happen in terms of how important it is to serve our customers it's, and, and meet their needs. It's something that just happens naturally with not just myself, but I think with, with a lot of the employees that we were able to bring into the company. And there's always training that reinforces it, but I think, I think it's part of it is how we're attracting the right people in the first place. Have you or your leadership team ever thought about transforming Dovell from a service company to one of products? We will always be a services company first. We are working on several tools that we are branding and we, we even ha- recently submitted a patent. We have a few others in process, but we view those as more enabling our services or for helping us to further differentiate the services that we already provide. We, we're, we're not looking to just license a bunch of products and tools and systems but if we can develop certain tools that can be truly beneficial to our customers and enhance our services, and we can incorporate them in to the services that we provide, that's exactly what we want to do. And, and we see that as, as a win-win for, for us and our customers. Uh, you and I met year 18 months ago. Uh, Paul Leslie was you know, going through a succession plan and you became CEO a year ago. What has been the biggest surprise in the role for you? So, well, first, I, I would say the transition into CEO was, was incredibly smooth. As, as you said, Paul, Leslie, he, he's been an amazing leader for Dovell for, for 10 years. He really got us to where we are, and he brought me in. He was the one who made the, uh, the, the wise choice when he hired me as a COO four years ago. And, and he's always groomed me for, to be CEO since the beginning and has encouraged me to, to always take on more responsibility, sometimes before I even thought I was ready. And so when that transition happened, it was pretty seamless. And, and really, in, in truth, I was acting in the role almost two years ago. And you know I had a little bit of extra time behind the scenes and officially became CEO in November of 2019. But I was fully up to speed and, and fully prepared by that point. So really, the biggest surprise after that was, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, was COVID. You know, I figured I'd have at least a, a couple months before my first global pandemic. But no, uh, that's not the case. <laughs> Welcome and, to the job, huh? <laughs> yeah. But so once that hit, it was certainly a, a huge curveball. 
And none of us could have really predicted what would happen. And, and there's not a playbook for how to handle something like that, at least not that I saw. And we basically had to, in overnight, essentially transition our entire workforce to a remote posture and, and support them in that. And it was quite an effort to ensure their health and safety of our employees first and foremost, and then make sure we're communicating with them early and often and, and ensuring that our customers are, you know, continuing to get the service that they expect without any issues or delays. And, and so there's a lot, it was a big balancing act to, to do all of that. But I have an amazing leadership team that, I was, that I've been able to, to form over the last year and a half. And they just, everyone just stepped up tremendously. And, and probably the, the biggest surprise besides the pandemic itself was how effective our employees were working remotely. I, I had always historically been skeptical of, of remote work and wasn't, you know, didn't know didn't think it would be very effective, but you know our, we have a, just such an amazing, dedicated workforce, and they've almost been too productive since this has all happened. They, you know, very, it's been difficult for them to take vacations, and it's sometimes it's hard to draw a line between work and home while you're working at home. And so we've really been trying to work hard to help them reestablish some balance and, and prevent burnout. And you know, we're it's an ongoing battle, but we were very appreciative of, of all the amazing efforts they've, they've put in over the last 11 months. I've always believed the best teams always win. And I know you and, and Kelly, your chief human resource chief people officer, have a great engine for recruiting and really developing exceptional talent. So kudos to you guys on that. You recently also, interestingly enough, created a, a strategic advisory board. What was the impetus and, and what are your expectations in the next 18, 36 months out from this advisory board? Yeah, so really the, the formation of the advisory board was, was the next logical step in our evolution. As, as I talked about earlier, we've really grown tremendously as a mid-sized company over the years. And we're at that point now where you know I was lucky enough to build out a great leadership team, as I talked about, and we have just all the right infrastructure in place from an internal perspective to grow and the foundation set. And, and one of the things that we probably lacked was sort of that awareness, the brand awareness, the name recognition, as well as the, the ability to get into some of the new accounts that we've been targeting. So the logical next step for us was to form an advisory board that not only has name recognition, industry credibility, cachet, but also has intimate knowledge of some of the, the customers that we were looking to grow into and can help us better understand how to navigate those, those customer areas and, and get in the door there. So we were able to add three great advisors, very high-level, senior, well-respected industry experts. And it's just been a tremendous addition to, to our overall team. And they've given us a lot of name recognition and credibility, as, as well as some tremendous insight into our future growth curve and where some of the key accounts that we're looking to to grow into, how, the best ways to do that. So it, it's been a great thing for us so far. And, and we're very optimistic that it's going to help us achieve a lot of our long-term growth goals and objectives over the next uh, three three years or so. How did you find these folks and how did you ensure the right cultural fit, either with you as the CEO or, or the leadership team or just the, the organization? So it's all of them came about through different paths, but you know, as, as usual, it's through networks and connections. So uh, Dr. Adeze Anakweche is, is someone I met as part of a process. She was the president at, at Impact, and I got a chance to meet her when, when she was there and was just so impressed with her and her knowledge of the industry. And we kept in touch. I met her 
probably a year and a half or so ago. And um, we've kept in touch ever since. And when she came available recently, I reached out and asked if, if she'd be interested in joining. And she, she was very excited about it. Dr. Lynn Goldman, who is the dean at the, the Millikan Institute of Public Health at George Washington University, is incredibly well-respected, well-known in the industry. She is good friends with one of our uh, board members, and we were able to to get to. I was able to get to know her really well, and she was very excited to join the board as well. And then Dr. Lou Tripoli is recently retired from the Navy. He was Rear Admiral in the Navy and ran. He was a command surgeon for the United States Indo Pacific Command. We're able to to get connected to him. Really, I've really enjoyed our discussions with Lou and all the insights he brings. And he's all three of them. We've just been very fortunate to, to have on board. That's fantastic. Uh, you briefly mentioned COVID as a surprise in a new role as a CEO. What are some of the top global pandemic trends you believe are going to stay with us in the after COVID world? Yeah. So the obvious one is remote work. I think that's going to in some form or fashion, it's here to stay. It may be more of in a hybrid model, hybrid workforce. So we'll have some people will spend some days in the office when it makes sense to collaborate and meet and other days at home when they just need to focus or spend a little bit more time. And we'll also be, that'll also allow us to expand our recruiting network much more broadly because we're able to tap into talent across you know the entire country as whereas in the past it used to have to be you could only focus in the in the local markets where your customers were located and here in the DC metro area finding tech talent is really hard so we've certainly been able to take advantage of that and hire you know really high end technical expertise that isn't always necessarily here in in the Washington DC metro area given that recent trend and then we just we also see just as i probably mentioned earlier just from a, a market perspective, though, there's going to be continued emphasis just in, in with our federal health customers in terms of increased investment and the administration changes and need to be prepared for the next pandemic. And given everything that's happened with from a global health crisis perspective and, and the need for vaccine support and other things, we, we just see continued funding and emphasis in, in some of our core markets in the public health space. You mentioned that in our conversations, I've certainly gained, you have seen your sense of pride in how adaptable your team has been. You alluded to it earlier in this grand experiment of you know, working from home. Have you or how have you learned to lead the team differently since they're not coming into the office every day, right? So with this, you know, your folks, beautiful building, several times I've visited, you know, buzzing with people there. And I think I was there for one of the Indian, you know, celebrations and the food in your cafe was great. And so how do you lead when you can't see those folks and be with them on a, on a regular basis? It's definitely a lot harder. It's, it's probably a lot more time consuming, but it basically... For, for me personally, I've, I found myself doing a lot more one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team and just a lot more check-ins, having ensuring that the meaningful connections and the, and the personal connections are, are staying there. It's really hard to do that in, in large group video chats. So that also means more time. But my days get filled up really quickly with just back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back meetings and over a longer period of time. But on the positive note, I, I don't have a commute and there are other benefits of working from home. So I make up you know, the extra hours with some of these additional meetings. And it also means that we have to, our internal communications, we've really had to increase exponentially. So a lot more emails from me 
or other leaders in our company out to the employees, letting them know what's going on and a lot more uh, check-ins. So, so we have different newsletters and, and themes and, and, and updates that come out from me and others. And, and then I also do more frequent town hall meetings and, and, and also CEO roundtable lunches or virtual lunches. So I'll, uh, I used to go out and meet with different project teams on locations and take a small group of employees out to lunch and, and talk with them. That's certainly not possible right now, but in some ways, it's been easier. We set up these virtual roundtable lunches and meet for an hour with groups of employees and 10 or 12 at a time, and, and we can have a real dialogue. And it's great just to connect with them and hear what they're up to. And, and for a lot of them, it's it's like a mini reunion because they're seeing each other for the first time if they're working on different projects. And so it's a lot of uh, trial and error. There, like I said, there's no real playbook for this kind of thing. Uh, and we've adapted a lot and very quickly. But, you know, the thing I've learned is is just transparency is key. Communication is key. And putting in the extra time and having additional meetings, especially more one-on-one, is really, you know, paid, paid a lot of dividends. I had a conversation with another executive earlier today. And I said, you know, when we flew, when we commuted, when we had some of this time in our calendar, that was our opportunity to think and really hopefully learn and grow in that process and kind of take a step away from running the business day to day to really thinking more proactively about the business. So how do you learn? How do you grow and continue to develop as a CEO? Yeah, so it is a little different these days. I used to spend a lot of time doing that. And while I was driving, I would listen to podcasts or just think. And these days, maybe some of that is while I'm walking my dog uh, over a break or other things, but I also just some of the more established techniques. So, I mean, we, we have a 360 feedback process within the company and I participate as well. So I receive honest, constructive feedback from my team. And, uh, and this, this is very helpful for me personally as growing and continuing to stretch myself. And I've also been really lucky to have great mentors in my life. I talked about Paul Leslie and, and what a great mentor he was to me. And then we uh, recently, uh, now that Paul is retiring, uh, we, we just announced that Sadaka Kesavan is going to be taking over as our new chairman. And he was the CEO at ICF for 20 plus years, brought them public. He, it was, ICF was smaller than Dovell is today. And he was able to take them to well over a billion dollar company and brought them public and did many other acquisitions. So He's going to be another great resource for me and, and mentor for me to tap into and, and learn from and someone who's already been there and done that in terms of where I want to go next. So I've been really lucky from that perspective. And I have in the past worked with a great executive coach who helped me transition from uh, my old role into my new CEO role. So uh, that, that certainly made a big difference for me. That all sounds great. And and you and I talked about, I've always believed the day you stop learning and growing is the day you become complacent. And that's the day you're no longer valuable to your biggest asset, which is your portfolio relationships. Talking about relationships, and we'll come back to the ridiculously handsome and intelligent executive coach you've been working with, but we'll come back to that in a second. Can you share, you know, we talked about relationships, we talked about curve benders as those relationships that profoundly impact and shape not just what we accomplish, but the person, the leader we've become. Can you think of one or two of these relationships, of these curve benders in your in your past that have done that for you? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely Paul Leslie. He, uh, just in, in terms of the mentor that he's been, how he really helped shape my the whole future for me, and, and believed in me early, and and always had confidence in me, gave me more responsibility 
that, than I even thought I was ready for. And so that really helped me to believe in, in myself, um, knowing that he believed in me. So he, he definitely is at the, at the top of the list. And, you know, I think that almost kind of related back to your initial question about learning and growing. The, the other things that, and, and it's not necessarily one person, but it's more structure organizationally, is some of the industry groups that I've been lucky enough to be in and, and, and the access to other professionals that it's created. Because I'm a member of Northern Virginia Technology Council. I'm a board of directors there, also on the board at the Professional Services Council. And then I've been a member of the Washington, D.C. chapter of YPO for, gosh, now over 11 years. And these are just great places to learn from peers and share experiences and, and best practices and, and, and everything else that is just, and it's a safe environment to do that. And so I, I can't say enough about organizations like that, where you can just uh, share and, and learn in a safe environment. You can be vulnerable, you can, and people and other members are, are truly want to support you and, and help each other. So that, that's always been very important to me as well. I'm going to wrap up our conversation with two quick questions of you. Joking aside, and for our audience and full disclosure, you know, Damon, I've been working together in that executive coaching role for some time. But what is, forget me for a second, what do you believe a good executive coach does for a leader? And what's the value in investing that time, effort, and those interactions? Yeah, I mean, I think that probably the most important one, and it's also the most uncomfortable, is just stretching and, and getting the leader to identify blind spots or areas of opportunity to grow and get them to stretch in a way that might be uncomfortable. And I think you've used the term growing like a, a lobster, which isn't always as a lobster what sheds its old shell to grow into a new one. It, uh, it's a little bit painful, but it's very needed in terms of that transformation process. And it ultimately results in a huge benefit. And so I think that's the most important is, is a coach needs to be tough, but also constructive and always have the best intentions for the, the person they're working with. And, and I think that's certainly been evident with you, Nor. So appreciate and it. It's been my pleasure. And, and I've said this to you before. It's been a fantastic opportunity, a front row seat to see you do just that, right? Stretch and, and let's take you know your existing strengths and build on them and, and have you stretch and really become the, the great leader that we both know you can. So kudos to you for that, again, commitment of time, effort, and resources. It's been great to have you. Thank you for being our guest on the Curvebenders podcast. Thank you, Nor. Thanks so much for having me. And it's great catching up with you again. By the way, three quick points, new season and a renewed commitment to our digital footprint, blog, newsletter, social media. We turn the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles, so you can find those in our completely revamped new blog forthcoming at norgroup.com slash blog. Number two, we're completely revamping our newsletter to make them even more practical and relevant with both a free and a premium version. Check it out at norgroup.com slash newsletter. Lastly, we want to bring the content from these episodes to life. So whether it's a Twitter chat with a guest or live streaming through our Facebook and YouTube channels, or even more recently, a Clubhouse audio conversation, check out our various social media channels with the hashtag Curvebenders for the latest update.
I hope you enjoyed this conversation with my uh, friend, long-term client, uh, Damon Griggs, uh, CEO of Devel Technologies. He is the epitome of fantastic talent that uh, a visionary leader uh, works hard to attract and develops and nurtures uh, with that succession in mind. I met Paul Leslie, his former CEO, and you could tell Paul really did uh, believe in him and brought him, you know, brought him in, uh, groomed him, uh, really uh, encouraged him, was his big cheerleader, and 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 really gave him broader, increasingly broader set of responsibilities to do just that. Really tee him up to be a successful CEO. So, uh, without sounding uh, anything other than what it's intended to be, I'm really proud of Damon and and all that he's accomplished, and he's absolutely one of those. Uh, CEOs to watch because you know he has an enormous uh, growth potential, enormous success ahead of him. So these are the NOR summary notes and hopefully I, you know, ideas that are summarized that you can put to some good use. Uh, number one, uh, I genuinely believe that great teams win and great teams set themselves apart. And one of the things Damon has done is he's surrounded himself with those that have very different strengths and he's built a great executive leadership committee that will help him think differently, lead differently in areas he may not be thinking about. He's also very committed to his personal and professional growth. Uh, number two, so so surrounding yourself with exceptional people. Are you doing that? Are you doing that consistently? Number two, his advisory board, listen to what he said, right? We wanted the cachet. We wanted their experience. We wanted their intimate knowledge of these customer companies we wanted to get, you know, get in front of. So a president at, at impact, a, a dean at a, you know, George, you know, W university, a retired Navy rear admiral and a surgeon, right? So he's surrounded himself with this advisory board of outside perspectives, outside lenses that will likewise help him help his team think and lead very differently. The last one is again, part of that personal growth. So we talk about curve benders as relationships that help you see and help accelerate your growth very differently. As I mentioned earlier, Paul Leslie absolutely has done that now with a, a new uh, industry leader uh, and someone who has taken a Dovell sized company through an IPO as his new chairman of the board. What another fantastic opportunity to continue to learn and grow. And I can tell you between his YPO relationships between his industry associations uh, you know he constantly learns and he's growing and uh, that's a testament to that lifelong learner and the real servant leader that Damon is so I hope this has been of interest and value to you uh, three quick points number one as you know I turned the show notes from these podcast interviews into articles and post them in our private forum, private community, NOR forum. So hopefully you'll come to norgroup.com slash forum and join us. Number two, uh, I also host each podcast guest, typically on a live stream. So uh, check out our LinkedIn profile. We'll also live stream it on YouTube and, and Facebook, and we'll put up events in the NOR forum. So I hope you'll join us for a live interactive session with Damon. Great guy for you to meet and ask some questions about uh, and number three, we have some fabulous, fabulous guests coming up. Uh, I've reached out to Thinkers 50 friends. I've reached out to uh, Diane Ryan is a, is a dean at Tufts University and a former West Point leadership faculty. Uh, we've got some great folks coming up. Jeff Parker is at Dartmouth. 
I've got Kate O'Neill, who just has one of those infectious personalities. So I hope you'll continue to come back and listen and join us for future episodes of the Curve Vendors Podcast. Thanks, everybody. I'm so grateful for all of our listeners on the Curve Vendors Podcast. I'd love to hear from you with ideas, with suggestions, with guests you'd love to hear from at this intersection of future of work, strategic relationships, and nonlinear growth. You can simply email podcast at norgroup.com or follow us on various social media channels where I use the hashtag Curve Vendors to keep you posted on our latest progress.